last time on Downton Abbey. Eh, we don't need to do that this time around. You know the first movie. We just talked about it a couple weeks ago. We're here for a new era. We're ready for it. We hope you're ready for it too. So no BS intro. It's time for the Lords of Grantham podcast. Let's go. If you could see- Is here. The, a new era has begun. How you doing, Corey? Doing okay. Doing okay. Rebounding from COVID, and I'm I'm got a little bit of a cough from time to time, but I am okay. That's. I feel like in the post, rather not the post, in the COVID world, every time you cough, you're like, uh-oh. So oh, yeah. it must be so much. You're worse. patient zero. You're the one who has it. <laughs> Get away from me. Uh, and I think that's worth bringing up. So you know, I think we'll cut to the chase with this movie. But before we talk in depth about the plot and the spoilers, I'm sure there's some people who may just be wanting to tune in and hear whether it's good or not. You know, so the, the spoiler free for a few minutes here, because I think one of the pressing concerns here is like that. Is it worth going to the theater for? Ex- exactly. Especially with how shortened timelines are for things appearing on streaming. We're already aware this is supposed to be on Peacock, you know, shortly the summertime. So. Should people venture out to see this movie in a theater, Dave? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think the, the it's one of those things that you don't realize it, especially after the, the pandemic for those that have been not going to the movies all the time, which I feel like is a strong majority of people. I don't think there's a, a, a big yeah. market of people that are consistently going to the movies, but the difference mm-hmm. between a movie at home and watching it with a crowd is night and day especially an invested sort of cult crowd which Downton Abbey absolutely yeah. is you're not going to see Downton Abbey with a bunch of regular old folk that don't know anything about what's going on everyone in that theater has seen the whole show and has seen the first movie so the experience is amplified by a lively crowd which I had okay that that, that may vary place to place I saw it in New York mm-hmm. at the AMC 25 in Times Square which uh in some theaters, there's been mice that have been spotted, and then there's reports of bed bugs from that one in, uh, in, in some of their older rooms. And I was definitely in one of the older rooms, <laughs> and it, it, it looked uh, pretty grim. And, and, and but the thing is, like some of the some of the people in there were definitely fans. And there's other people who are on their phones for half an. It's like, well, why would you come to this movie on a Wednesday night? That wasn't. It's not part of like the AMC like A list. You had to actually pay money mm-hmm. to see this if you want to see it early. Why would you do that and then be on your phone? And then also some people just left too. But uh, walked out of the movie. Yeah, I don't know what their deal was. Maybe they walked in. Maybe they they, they just hidden there. But th- I definitely feel what you're feeling, though, Dave. And that some people who were there for it were definitely there for it, and it, it amplified the experience. People were excited to see certain things in this movie. I go back and forth though, because the score sounded incredible in the in the theater f- through all the loudspeakers, and you know it's very transportative, but. The movie itself, and we'll talk about more about this as we talk about the movie, it, it still kind of looked like an episode of Downton. And so mm-hmm. if people are not, you know, fiending, you know, really dying to see this immediately, I think that they can wait, actually. And, and especially, you know, 
in theaters, the people besides me were not wearing masks too, mm-hmm. which I know people are all over the map on that and stuff. But if you're really concerned about your, your safety and having to see this at a theater, maybe see it in the middle of a, of a day <laughs> if you want to be safe about it. But there's definitely going to be people in there not wearing masks. And, and they really stepped in at this time too with cases surging. Uh, they, they, they tried to be smart about it, but they released it when it was surging in, in the Europe and now it's made its way over to the U.S. and they released at the time in the U.S. as it followed through from, so not the best time to go see this movie. But as Dave said, there are qualities to seeing in a theater that make it worthwhile. But also understand, you may be able to wait if you really, really need to. Yeah, I would say if it's not super duper pressing, but it's the kind of thing that I really enjoyed the experience in the theater and. Mm-hmm. No bed bugs in Trumbull, Connecticut. <laughs> I, I, am, I am tempted to actually see it again in a, in a better quality theater this and, weekend. Oh, and I, I noticed the audio was not good in the theater that I went. Like the trailer oh, really? sounded bad. Like, so hmm. it was mostly Universal trailers. Yeah, and I think so. That was like Minions and Jurassic World. So like, sounded crummy. And I said, you know, like I've seen this Jurassic World trailer before Doctor Strange. I saw it before whatever other movie, Ambulance, and it sounded noticeably more muted this time around. So I think it might be, I don't know if it's the certain theaters are made for certain types of movies and it wasn't yeah. meant for that, but I did that carried through the rest of my experience. Oh, that's, that's a tough beat. And we paid for this too. We're not bought off in our review here or anything. We, we paid out of pocket to see this movie. Uh, and it was an early showing on a Wednesday, so you can now see it in, in Dolby uh, Atmos theaters for the next week or two. So you can you won't have to worry about that, uh, and that, that's part of why I kind of want to go back and see it. I want to see it <laughs> proper. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of is a transition to, to a larger conversation. Did you like the movie, Dave? Is it good? Yeah, I I, I loved it. I thought it was levels better than the first one. Levels. Yeah, noticeably, okay. noticeably uh, better. And I think we'll get, obviously, to the nitty-gritty of it, but mm-hmm. I feel like the first movie we were so hyped for, it was kind of, this is, kind of feels like similarly to The Last Jedi and the new Star Wars trilogy, where the first yeah. one has all this hype, and it definitely delivers, but on a rewatch, you're like, oh, but this is kind of things we've seen before. Whereas this one, mm-hmm. I think, was expectations are a little tempered, we've seen these people on the silver screen, and... We're getting something totally fresh, totally new. Well, not totally fresh. You know what I'm saying. They take a little more risks, and they do things a little bit more off the cuff, I felt like. What about you? Thumbs up or thumbs down? I mean, of course it's a a thumbs up. If you're a Down Abbey fan, there's no way in which you're not going to enjoy this movie. I don't know if I'd agree that it's levels beyond the first film, but I, I, I will agree that it definitely moves the ball forward in terms of where the characters end up by the end of this. It's definitely you know, progress that you, that you, you kind of hope to see. And it leaves me with questions of where they even go from here. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I, I wasn't particularly enthused about every direction it went, but oh, yeah, I, yeah. I we'll really get to did the stuff enjoy. That we don't, we didn't agree with. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So if you're listening to this and, and you know, you haven't seen the movie yet, stop listening, go see it. If you want to go see it, Come back to us later and hear and hear us talk about it. But now we're going to talk about more of everything about this movie. Yeah. Now neither of us took notes because we were in a theater. Right. We weren't the people with our phones out. <laughs> so 
we're going to do this to the best of our memory and the best of our ability. But this, both of us saw saw this less than 24 hours ago. And yeah. a lot of it sticks. I feel like I got the IMDb open. I can just pick a character and talk about their role in the movie. Sure. And before we go down that road, what did you think about the entire structure of the movie, Dave? So, you know, they, they start out at Downton, and then we soon learn about the villa that uh, the Dowager is, is inheriting that she's going to pass on. Uh, and they then spend the next about hour and a half flip-flopping between the villa and then this film shoot that's happening at Downton. Mm-hmm. And for me, this was one of the sticking points where it, it, was, it felt very choppy at points, where it's like one scene at Downton. One scene at the villa, one scene there. And it's like, can we just stay with one area for a little while? <laughs> it, I don't know. It really bothered me at, at, at certain points. I think it was a lot more effective than... I, I think the way this was paced was a lot more effective than Tom Branson and this mysterious man who turns out to be trying to kill the king. And then we pivot immediately into Tom Branson going into a movie a part for the last two-thirds. So yeah, it wasn't... I, I, I think... Like, like a, again, to bring it to, to like something like Star Wars, we go from planet to planet on the snap of a finger. So it's yeah, it did. It, it didn't flow smooth. Like it wasn't the smoothest movie, but I, I would take that over poor plotting because I don't think it was necessarily poorly plotted. I think it no. was. Because I think that's part of what came up is, is just that last time I was most impressed with the, the first Down movie and just its efficiency with storytelling, mm-hmm. how it kind of moved everything smoothly. And that, I think that partially came from the director having directed episodes of Downton. Now, Simon Curtis of this one has not directed Downton at all. And you could definitely feel it a little bit in the flow of the movie where I feel like there wasn't always necessarily some time to breathe on, on moments of dialogue or, or interactions. Yeah, it, it definitely. very much definitely moved flew. along. And part of that's because they're cramming a lot into the, into this movie. Uh, but I, it did kind of impact, I think, my enjoyment of certain moments where I just wish that they'd breathed a little bit more. Um, but, yeah. Still still appreciate where, where Julian it takes the things. It, it was just that from a technical standpoint, I was just like, this, doesn't, this just feels a little off to me. It, but I did appreciate they gave more time for John Lund's score to play. And that, to me, is actually... One of the biggest highlights of this movie, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a shame that you had the the poor audio because he is going off, John Lund. He is having a ball, like with the the whimsy and the you know, I don't know. Just there's a certain effortlessness to to the music in this one, from the the shooting of the movies to the villa. It really comes through. And man, John Lund, give that guy a pay increase. Yeah, and and did did you notice that 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 sort of drone montage in the beginning looked a little funky? Yeah, it, it looked like it was done with like a fish lens. Yeah, I thought so it was like my theater, I, I but said, it was like, oh god, this better not be a thing. And then, yeah, it pretty immediately stops. So I was glad that that happened. Right, the edges of the of the pictures seemed to curve for some reason. Uh, I thought that was just my theater, but no, I think because as the movie went on, it was all flat <laughs> from there on out. So it's a creative choice by a film director, sure, fine by me. Yeah, have at it. But from there on out, I mean, otherwise, it is the Julian show. He is doing everything. He is leaning into his bag of tricks for this movie. Oh, he's, he's uh, loving that bag of tricks. He he really pulled, he dials up some old plays, like verbatim uh, oh, from oh, his gee, other material. Absolutely. We'll get there. <laughs> it's not even trying. Um, love it, though. Love it. Uh, where do we start, though? Uh, I mean, there's so many avenues we can, we can go down. 
Uh, well, how much... We, we could just go through these characters beat by beat. I feel like Tom Branson and Lucy play a part, but they're not mm-hmm. uh, essential in the way that they were in the last one. They're yeah. there, but they're not moving the story. And I think that's so we what we with... talked about last time in our prediction episode was mm-hmm. I thought that maybe Branson takes a back seat. And so the movie starts with their wedding. Yeah. And the opening little montage of all the photographer taking everybody's pictures, that was a nice way to sort of set the scene of this is who's here. This is who we're dealing mm-hmm. with. Just so you know, they're all back. The theater was so um, obviously uh, we weren't we're, we're not the target demo of this movie. So there was yeah. definitely a lot of. Uh, older older ladies chuckling as as mr carson gets his photo taken and the bateses get their photos and mosley gets his photo taken so Mm -hmm. yeah uh, mosley's hair is flying a little bit in this movie (laughs) uh i did find it funny though they did not bring back uh kieran uh tom branson's brother we did not see him at the wedding oh yeah i didn't even notice that (laughs) i mean well he wasn't there yeah well he was only in one episode of the series. Why, why would you remember that? But yeah, it's so easy to kind of forget his about his brother that. has basically become full on debutante. So, right? Why would you be <laughs> for that? And maybe he's still in Boston, so he can't come. Oh yeah, perhaps. Uh, but you're right. So after that wedding, they're kind of it, it's weird. So, so the Dowager is inheriting a villa. She's going to gift it to Sibby because, uh, to her point, the, they're they don't have anything to inherit like the rest of the f- family. Mm-hmm. Which I was a little confused because I thought the last movie made a point that uh, Tom Branson's uh, wife to be, uh, what was her, Lucy. what was her name in the movie, Lucy, was she was supposed to inherit um, Bagshaw's money? Yes, Bagshaw's money. Yeah, I thought she but was going to end up being okay. Sibby is not under that tree. Sibby stands to gain okay. none of that when Branson dies. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, and they but, they say that they say you know. Mary's kids are getting Downton. Um, Edith's kids are getting obviously what what um, Hexham's mm. house, and yeah. the the future children of Tom and Lucy will get um, Bagshaw's place. So, yep. thusly, Sibby's kind of left without anything. So that's why it's given to her. And it's nothing more than really a plot device for them to have this villa, <laughs> for them to journey to. That That is Tom and uh, Lucy's function, really. <laughs> yeah, as, that, as that's be a plot device. effectively all they do in the movie. <laughs> yeah, we get some moments of them together on the beach. Uh, you know, they got to they gotta show off uh, his traps a little bit. And we got to see what's her name's uh, Tuppence Middleton's back, that she's she's also a fit person. Yeah, this is a fit couple. Yep. Uh, and then to jump all the way to the end, expecting another child. Well, expecting her first child. Her, her first child, her first one. So he's going to be a double Sibby daddy. Got, Sibby got to say donk. Say what up, donk. She did say what up, donk to, to Lord Grantham. Did enjoy that. She's definitely growing. It's incredible yeah. to, to see Chil- she is. Children uh, grow. That's how it works. And, and I thought, I, I know that we're going to get to some of the, the, the not so weedier plots, but the more important plots, meatier plots, perhaps. Bagshaw's mm-hmm. whole gimmick is she gets tired. Yeah. She's like, I overslept. And then she comes back, she's like, I need to go to bed. And she's just there. She's, she's really just window dressing for the whole thing. Yeah, um, and I, I have some speculations on what what Bagshaw will play going forward, but we'll talk about that okay. later. Yeah, so that that it is pretty incredible, though, to think from the first Down movie how much the focus is on Tom Branson, and now he's a background player. And I guess that's kind of true to the show where they'll play up certain characters for a spell, and then they 
you know, fall back. And I feel like a lot of that is in this movie where he's trying to give the focus to some more of those characters who maybe were a little underserved in, in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in that first movie too, it was like aside from Branson and Mosley, I guess there, 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 there wasn't much time or focus given to each character in that first movie. There, there's definitely, what's that? Barrow. Barrow. Yeah. Barrow. There's definitely a concerted effort in this one to give more time. I think it, especially to Mary, I feel like mm-hmm. in, in her goings ons. Um, and, and also Robert, a lot more with Robert yeah, in this one to do. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Um, although, I mean, there's much to do about nothing there. I, I, do we want to talk about Robert? <laughs> sure. Sure. Let's get into it. <laughs> uh, since we're, we're going through most of the episodes, let's, yeah, let's just go through the French Villa stuff that's really going on. Um, yeah, so this guy, what's his name? Uh, something. M- M- it's hard to pronounce. Montmiral. Montmiral. Yeah, I couldn't even pronounce or understand what he was saying in the movie when he said it. But yeah, Montmiral. By the way, one back step. Sorry, listeners, for like being all over the map. But I love when they deliver the news that we got Murray coming back to deliver the news. You know, they're they're oh, three uh, of these lawyer. moments. There are three three deep cuts that I I pop for every single one. Uh, that was so good. And the the funny thing about all the movie, the actors in this movie. I feel like they all just went and got a tan oh, and a facial. Murray was hanging out with Hulk Hogan or something like that. That guy is so they tan. They got blasted in the face by some suntan or some some sun. Like they they were so tan. Like oh my gosh, what was going on there? Uh, even Carson in this movie is so dark. It's like you know he may be struggling with the heat in this movie, but the boys it looks like he's been out in the heat quite a lot. Uh, so yeah. So so great to see Murray delivering the news that they're inheriting this villa. But as you're saying, they, they, they're they getting it from Montmorel. Montmorel. <laughs> we'll just butcher it for the whole time. That's fine. Yeah. But so this guy who had a, 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 some time with the Dowager. Yeah, an, an idyllic getaway or something like that, however they phrase it. Yeah, some, some great time together. He he he's recently passed away and is giving away this villa uh, to her and her family. And so we meet this man, this man's son, and his uh, widow, his wife. Uh, both both Montmorel, but he is Marquis de Montmorel, and she's Madame Madame Montmorel. <laughs> oh man, this, this these names not making it easy on us, Julian. No, uh, but. They're very. I mean, the man is very hospitable uh, to all of them visiting. He, he's he's more than happy to have them to have them come visit. Mm-hmm. And uh, for good reason. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> this man seems to think that Robert Crawley is his brother. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that moment, you know, you we talk about how we predict things and how Julian has some exact same plays. I did yeah. not see this coming at all. I mean, how many times do we have in doubt and people just assuming that they're part of the family in some way or want to be part of this family? Like, I got Patrick Gordon vibes a little bit. Oh, I <laughs> where did. It's I like, did. I thought this was really I, I, this got me. This took me. You're 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 engaged with it. Oh, a million percent. I was like, oh, oh. I I mean, I. I was searching uh, Marquis de Montmorel's eyes, and I was like, I can see a little bit of Hugh in his eyes. They both got those baby blues. And Cora's like, 
you don't even you're, you're so English you don't like French food at all you don't even like garlic and and you know Hugh Robert Robert's like mm-hmm. fear is so funny throughout this whole movie yeah uh but the whole basis for this guy's assumption that he's his he's his brother is that Robert was born nine months after uh the Dowager had spent uh some time there in 1864 almost and, almost uh, to the day he says yeah and it, and it's so funny because this French guy's mom <laughs> the entire time is like you don't know that he's your brother why why, why are you so happy with giving this away and he's like no please he's family and that's the entire storyline for this lady that we spent a lot of time on being sour about this whole situation. Yeah, and, and they keep <laughs> and, saying, like, you've got four other houses. You're fine. <laughs> they, they litigate it like, look, there's nothing you can do. We're giving them this house. I'm sorry. And we spent so much time. It leads to nothing. And she's like, you <laughs> she literally just, Why can't you stay where you... It's like, enough. She doesn't get her way, and, and that's it. <laughs> that that that's it and that's all. I mean there's a couple of really nice set pieces that we get and we get a lot of exposition that a lot of stuff that happens there that I think is elevated by the setting. Oh yeah, it looks beautiful out there. I mean seeing them on that boat uh, going traveling out there. Mm-hmm. Uh the, so you know there's the film shoot that's going on at the house so Carson travels along with him to to so he won't interfere with that film shoot. Mm-hmm. Which of course we get him vomiting on on the boat cuz he he's seasick. Uh Baxter and Bates, Good. they're they're weathering it. That they come along. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and they're just having a, a good old time out there. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't really know what what else to talk about literally with the f- stuff in France because I feel like that's the functional plot of it. Uh, yeah. But if we're using France as a sort of social lubricant for these characters. We got to talk about the scene with Carson Bates and Baxter having a drink outside the villa. Low key, that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie. <laughs> like, just seeing the help, you know, just relax and, and take a moment with each other. It's so good. It, it, it just seeing Bates, you know, have some time to breathe and talk. It removed from Anna too, so he yeah, pulled from so all nice. of his his typical plot things, and he just sort of a guy. And and we we knew that we probably weren't getting much baits, but I think this mm-hmm. was this was all the baits that we needed. I think they could have gone a step more because cause so the, the the basis of this conversation is then talking to Baxter about is Mosley really your guy? Are, are you really going to be settled with him? And she's she's just saying, well, I hope I, you know if he doesn't propose, I'm, it's good enough. She but, says I'll you know, die, Spencer. That's fine. Yeah, and. You know, that's that's pretty much the scene. But it is nice to see them just hanging out outside in the French air. <laughs> but those three, uh, that's like a real, that's a that's like a varsity lineup right there. Baxter sort of came into her own in the later half of the show. Carson's obviously yeah. called off the bench to be active once again. He's the returning hero. And Bates is sort of the perpetually slept on leading man in a lot of ways. And this was a great this moment is, for him. We could have just given one more scene to Bates where I think he could have approached Mosley and said, Hey, come on, dude! What's going on here? You got to do something just to give mostly Bates something to do because mm-hmm. he does—he still doesn't functionally do anything, and that would have been just enough to be like, okay, Bates had a function here to do something, you know. And especially even in that moment, he's seems to be understanding like, you know, Mosley needs to do something, and that would be great for Bates to have that moment with Mosley, but didn't didn't get that. I mean, there's a lot in the movie, so. But that scene, though, it's, oof! I was that—that might have been 
you know, as far as like the the Lords of Grantham meter hitting the ping, Bates mm-hmm. basically saying like, "Who's got your heart, Baxter?" And Carson's like, "Oh, is it? Are you referring to Mister Mosley?" It's like, "Oh, <laughs> we knew they, they brought it up." <laughs> How many drinks do you think Brendan Coyle actually had on the set there when they were relaxing outside? They're probably zero. It's probably they probably kept him really. Coming. What do you think? It's oh, like, I think they, they cleaned a like bottle or two out. Mason at the end of the movie? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I mean, COVID times, the only time, a chance to cut loose. Why not? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Brendan Coyle cut loose whenever he wants to cut loose. <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, but you also see in that in that scene the sort of serenity of these three characters at their this point in their lives where mm. Bates is kind of, they're, they're like on vacation and really loving being on vacation. And I think that's yeah. super underrated as far as well, that. Is, is Carson loving things? His whole entire thing is that it's cool. The sun's that's true. So Carson's entire plot line is that yeah he gets sent down there so he doesn't interfere with Down. Which I don't know why he'd necessarily interfere with Down if he was if he doesn't work there anymore. Which he mostly just Uh, walks on. He just does whatever. That's true. (laughs) It's just open door policy at Down at at this point in time. Um, But they send him down there to 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 tend to them, and his entire storyline is how he's just is a man out of place down there. It's really hot. We get a whole scene of him walking around, sweating in the sun, looking for water to, to wash over his face and get a cap. <laughs> yeah, he buys a hat in, in a little bit of a meta sequence where Ms. Bagshaw picks up the hat for him, and they mm-hmm. the, the shopkeeper assumes that they're married, which is humorous because they're married in real life. But yeah, the way they played us so sweet, I, I really enjoyed it that. T- I didn't. It didn't hit me until after the movie was over. But oh, that was immediate for me. But uh, I just thought it was funny that like. You know the social deconstruction of these British people out of their the the fish mm-hmm. out of water, and that's what they yeah. get. I, I like that we also get a close up shot of the back of uh, Carson's neck just to see how the hair is like so sweaty on the back of his neck. Julian, he brought uh, in a Hollywood guy. He brought in Hollywood Curtis to do this. Yeah, and and they they keep saying to Carson, "Do you have any other pair of clothes you can change into?" <laughs> Why would I do that? Why would I be comfortable on vacation? <laughs> just sweating through, just sweating through. And Bates is just <clears throat> chuckling the whole time. I I, I wish they had because uh, Bates didn't look like he was dressed that differently. I'd love to see him in like just some he shorts. Could have had like seersucker or something on a different fabric. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be great. Um, I feel like that's that's France in a yeah. nutshell. E- Edith and Bertie are there just because they're there. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of just there the whole movie uh, to bounce off things. I mean, Edith is there a little bit because Cora has a whole thing. And we'll get to more of Cora, but Edith is there to be like, hey, Cora, you have something going on. I do. Okay. See ya. We'll, 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 we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, but let's keep going for some of the low-hanging fruit in this movie, huh? Sure. Because that's most of the French villa. The storyline ends. They're going to keep the villa. There's no drama. Except for whether Robert is this guy's brother or not. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ties into the end of the movie and stuff. And we'll, we'll get to that. Why don't we talk about... Daisy. Exactly what I was thinking. This was the best Daisy we've ever had, I think. Really? I, as, because she didn't, she didn't cause a ruckus. She was fine. She was appropriate. And that's that. Okay. I don't, we know I'm not pro-Daisy here. Yeah. You think she's a child who's just a nuisance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not too far off sometimes, yeah. So she's married to Andy, apparently. They got married off screen, 
and they're both living at U-Tree Farms with the returning Mr. Mason. Big crowd I, pop. I, there's a crowd pop even for them saying, like, your husband Andy. Like, there's people in my audience who are like, woo! <laughs> they were excited just to hear that. Like, oh, they must have got married off screen. Uh, but yeah, they're still living with, with Mr. Mason, who is neither of their, their dads. He's the dad of the guy that Daisy married. Married on his deathbed. Because she was bullied into it. But she, he is like a father figure to her. Mm-hmm. Um, still, weird to be living with <laughs> just this this man uh, in their lives. <laughs> and they're just trying to live. And, and I thought at first, the first scene with them in Utree Farm, where he's like, oh, before I leave, I got to get the newspaper. And he's kind of complaining about the way Andy leaves the newspaper. He's like, you got to make sure you fold it a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. And... Andy's like, okay, and he, you can see kind of eye roll at that. And then we see Mason kind of is like, oh, I totally forgot. And he's, he, I thought he was going to come off as a little bit more of a angry patriarch. And I said, this isn't the yeah. Mason that we know. But then immediately they switch it to a sort of sympathy situation where Daisy and Andy go into sort of matchmaker mode with mm-hmm. Pat Moore and Mason, which is, oof, Sergeant, Sergeant Willis is going to be breaking Mason's legs. Yeah, and I had to do some refreshing on this. Like, uh, I know we recently watched the last season, but you know, I guess there's some fandom out there that really shipped Mason and Pat Moore. Mm-hmm. There, there had been some moments of friendliness between the two of them. This one kind of caught me off guard, though, a little bit. I, I don't know. I think that the, it, Pat Moore is definitely sort of meant to be not necessarily into these guys, but sort of easily shippable with any of the sort of saltier men Older, in this show yeah and, and maybe it's just also my fault of just being so dedicated to her and willis becoming a thing because mm-hmm. they had such good chemistry i thought but mr mason has pretty good chemistry with her as well yeah yeah and and they bring it up to mr mason like what about that well they bring first they bring it up to to pat Moore, and she's like oh i had i, I had a thing for him a million years ago but mm-hmm. you know he would never want he would never want anything like that and it's like, yeah, okay, sure. We'll see about that. And then they go t- talk to Mr. Mason. He's like, I always did like Miss Patmore. And I would totally live with her, but there's no way that I'm going to be, like, subser- you know, socially subservient to a woman. Like, that just can't be what a guy does, which is totally understandable <laughs> given the time and that he's a farmer. Like, he's a working man. Yeah. Yeah. But then they later Pat on. Patmore's cooking, and they put, they put the bug in her, her ear, like, you, no, Mr. Mason really wants to talk with you, and and, and you know. No, but they know. say Mr. Mason says that he can't he can't live on the being supported by a woman, and Patmore's like, just you wait. Yeah. And you know, there comes a moment towards the end of the movie where they have to sit next to each other. Yeah, or Patmore arranges scene, it. You know, y- y'all have seen it at this point. They're shooting the movie yep. scene. They're shooting the movie scene, and so Patmore literally arranges it so he's sitting next to her, and she starts pouring real wine into the prop glasses. Yeah, and they're drinking. And then you don't and, even really see the discussion happen. It's just sort of like, we did it. No, they, 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 I mean, there's a little bit of discussion. Like, we're going to lock this down? Yeah, why don't we try? Why don't we give it a try, pretty much, you know? And they're off on their way, those two crazy kids. Two crazy 70-year-olds. And now Andy and Daisy get the home to themselves to go wild Which opens out. up a question <laughs> that I'll ask later on. But okay. it seems like Andy's not going to have a great work-life balance yeah when he works at the big house um, and he's a farmer yeah 
I, I did like the Pat Moore remarking, you know, because someone says like she, she's like a, her child or something. She's like, I tried my best with her or something uh, with, with uh, Daisy. It was a, a sweet moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was good. I mean, Pat Moore is supposed to be a side character. So giving her a, a beat that strong was really a thoughtful gesture on the part of Julian. And even bringing back Mr. Mason for all this, too, was just like great. He you looked know? fantastic, the, too, all things considered. His hair looked luxurious. Like he oh, he yeah. grew it out. It was really well combed. I mean, everyone else went the the tanning route, and he just grew the hair out. Yeah, he just said, you "Great know, choice." God gave it to me. I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> that's that's exactly what he said as he pointed to his hair in the movie. <laughs> um, so there's that. Uh, who who else? I mean. Well, we can start to talk about the movie production, huh? Yeah, so they're making the movie. Jack Barber, Hugh Dancy. Is it Which, <laughs> kind of, you know, you don't want to talk of contrivances. It literally is this guy saying he's interested in shooting at Dallin. I don't know when he may have toured this house or been aware of it or anything. He just knows that he wants to film at Dallin. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Well, they get a call from the studio about yeah. an inquiry. And then they humor, the, they humor him and he walks around and he likes what he sees. So... Right, but he already has a price written down on the card to hand to her by the end of their conversation. Like he already has it like figured out, like you know what he's going to do with this place. Um, but I like that scene because they're like, we don't really know how good of an idea this is, and he's like, well, look, look at the card. We'll talk. And Mary looks at the card and she shows Edith, and like, and that's the starting point. Yeah, Hugh Dancy as uh, Jack Barber. <laughs> uh, and there's the dinner scene after that where where. Robert's like, this is crazy. Why would we need... We don't need money like that. And then the Dowager, who, by the way, is living in the big house again, um, mm-hmm. says, why don't you take him to the attic? Yeah. Which yeah. is a real humbling moment, in my opinion. I thought it was a very good, necessary moment that mm-hmm. Downton is literally falling apart. Like The roof needs work. The roof needs work. <laughs> there was a lot of raindrops coming down. Those wash basins are being filled with rainwater. And I like that it's Mary and Robert like figuring things out because it really is them two as a tag team more or less anymore with you know stewarding the house. Mm-hmm. We did, it, <laughs> there was something about the lighting in the scene too where Robert like is peering his head through the two beams up there and he looks, I don't know, yeah, kind of scary I, I for a second. I think this is a really um, good moment of, of having Robert address the fact that like your kind is falling apart. Like a real big... Yeah. There's, the roof represents so much more yeah mary's like if we be if we do something progressive we can maintain Mm -hmm. the history and we can maintain what you like but we can also put our foot firmly in the future so put your yeah put your hands uh put all in the hands of the younger generation so they start filming at down it's a silent movie Mm -hmm. uh and they're pretty excited because they got two movie stars uh coming through uh we got guy dexter uh, Guy Dexter played by Simon Dominic uh, West. Dominic West. Damn, I keep messing that up. It's, it's Dominic West, uh, and then Myrna Dalglish. Dalglish. I just kept saying Dalglish. 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 Uh, but played by Laura Haddock, who has a bit of an accent on her. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, they're both stars of the silent film, and and we see that the talkies coming into popularity are the big thing here, and. Mm-hmm. Daglish is very much 
they they bring it up about why they're doing this in an early scene and guy guy dexter was was working in hollywood and became, came into it and daglish was discovered by a talent scout for being pretty yeah and she looks beautiful in this movie they, they really do shine the light on her with the blonde hair and uh yeah, it's just uh, her accent is, is, is just really bad. Mm-hmm. And she has uh, no we'll manner. She's rude. She's one she, of those people that she's, she's very full of herself. But mm-hmm. we see it's a lot of her insecurities speaking. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the, the, the staff wants to appeal to her. We see a scene where Daisy tries to serve her tea and tells her how big a fan she is, and she just outright ignores her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's barking orders at the staff to you know make food for her. Uh, she, she is rude. Um but things are changing. So this Jack Barber, he's a friendly guy. He's very friendly with Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he asked her to go out to uh, the movies. You yeah, know, that so this, this lady sells him. Check out, you might, you might not like Daglish, but we got, we know that she's, she's good at what she does. And they, t- they drive yeah. by the talkie and the lines out the door and they say, uh Oh, this is mm-hmm. where we're going. And they go to see the Daglish movie, and they're the only ones in the theater. Right. I mean, there's, there's a few others, in the, but it's very empty. And he he made the claim that she sells a million tickets. Mm-hmm. But it's true at the time that people were immediately switching to hearing things in audio, because that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and so word comes along that they need to pivot on the movie, that they, they, they're not going to finance a silent movie anymore. They just don't make money. Yeah, and then Mar- Mary, of all people, is like, why don't you just turn it into a talkie? Which, he's like, that's a great idea. But he's like, well, we need a person who can manage the audio and all this. But there's never any conversation of financing it, really. I, I thought it would become a thing where maybe they would have to maybe hand over some of the money they were getting uh, for using mm-hmm. Downton yeah, or something. Yeah, I thought that too. But, but it never comes up. It's just like, yeah, we'll just have to get a person and figure that out. But I guess okay. that's kind of how movies <laughs> are made. They call the studio, the studio's like, okay, whatever. Sounds like a smart plan. It's funny the studio didn't even think about uh, think about that. It's like, what? what? <laughs> they cut their losses. This is a movie. Studio. This is the twenties. Movies are just taking off. Eh, they did a couple days of shooting. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, they're, they're moving forward with, with shooting this movie, and and Jack Barber keeps getting close closer to Lady Mary because she keeps going on about how her husband isn't around. Henry Talbot. Yep. He loves car, cars more than her. Mm-hmm. She talks to him on the phone. He's like, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit. What did you think of this story, Dave? I thought it was terrible. And it's not a knock on Hugh Hugh Dancy. Mm -hmm. But this is the worst way to keep this character out of the movie. Yeah. It was the the worst part of the movie. Worse than the other bad part. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it, it was not great. Like, and not to say I didn't have fun with what was going on here, but the rationalization of it, I, I took issue with, which was that, you know, he loves cars more than Mary. And it's like, we already overcame this in the mm-hmm. show. He made a point to be like, that's my past life, you know, especially after his friend died. So you're telling me all of a sudden he's just like, you know, my friend died that one time, but it was just that one time. Let me just get back to the car life. Yeah. And it may be business is booming, which they, they could just easily use Branson to sure. say. That's what they, they could have done. They have Mary easy. go to Branson. You know, Lucy's lucky to have someone like you who's willing to stay home instead of go to all these rallies or things like that. But instead, they just make it that, oh, he's at work. Well, part of the trouble is that 
the movie takes place over the course of a month. As they tell us, that's how long the film mm-hmm. shoot is going. So I guess they had to try and figure out a way to keep them off screen long enough. But I mean, obviously, uh, Matthew Good was not available for filming. That that's why he's not in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we go down this road of Mary and, and Jack Barber working, to, you know, being friendly, her accommodating him at the house, and then we'll just get to this part of the plot line where Myrna Dogleash, Dagleash. I just call it dog leash. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she's going to listen. We're, we're trying. We're trying here with these French and Scottish names. Is that Scottish or Irish? I, I don't even know. It, I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> we're failing you here now. Uh, but she cannot speak uh, in in this audio form. She, her accent is very distracting mm-hmm. and just Abrasive. She's got a salty voice abrasive. to bring that word back. That's correct. So what's the solution, Dave? Solution is Mary. I thought the solution was going to be a downstairs staff, but same. Yeah, I thought it was like because like I thought Anna like, what or do Daisy we do with the f- maybe because they kept focusing the two of them on Daglish. Yeah, well, even then they like they say at one point, what are we going to do with the voices? And then Phyllis speaks up, and I was like, are we going to get Phyllis in here uh, speaking? That'd be great. <laughs> no, um, it's, it's just Mary. She's like, I'll do it. Yeah. When I'm saying Phyllis, I'm saying I mean I mean Hughes. I'm getting so caught up between their and real their name names. Phil- oh no, is that the actress's name? Elsie yeah, Phyllis Hughes. Logan. Yes, Phyllis Logan. But but that Miss Hughes because there's Phyllis Baxter, which is the character's yes. name for for Baxter. But yeah, Miss Hughes is Elsie Elsie Hughes or Elsie Carson rather as she is now. But I was like, oh man, is she gonna voice it? No, no, no. We get Mary. But she has a good voice mm-hmm. it, that works, and everything's moving right along uh, with it. Uh, except the dog leash keeps messing up her, the scene. She can't stop talking. Yeah, and she gets a bit of an ego, uh, you know, a hit on her ego because we see that she's, her ego in general is coming from the fact that she knows that she, her time is up. She's read the mm-hmm. writing on the wall. She knows that talkies are taking over and she doesn't have a voice for talkies. And yeah, that's why she's being so mean to people. That's why, because she knows that she doesn't have anything to fall back on. This is her life. And yep. we see that uh, she just can't deal with it anymore. She's being further treated poorly, you know, by this world. And so she keeps storming off the set, and they, they, they come to a decision, like, they need a woman's voice to convince her to do something. <laughs> so Anna and Daisy take it upon themselves to go talk to her mm-hmm. of all people for some, this would never happen but they, they are the ones there who end up going to talk to her and Anna tries to like you know be direct with her like just work through it you'll figure it out and Daisy I mean this goes to your point Dave about maybe Daisy having her moment she she is, just says you gotta just stop being so rude and, and just acknowledge that you know you're in a tough situation right now and you gotta just work through it <laughs> uh, that's it it gets through to her because this lady, she had had a sister who, who sounded like Daisy because they both have that that accent, that, that Cockney type of mm-hmm. accent. Again, apologies if I'm getting that wrong. Uh, but they, they, she reminds her of her little sister who had passed away. To the Spanish flu. Nice little come around. I thought Daisy was going to be like, my first husband died from the Spanish flu. That's true. That's true. And it, during that whole time, too, like I was like, man, Daisy is going about this entirely the wrong way. But it works. And, 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 yeah, she was, enti- and even the looks that Anna was giving her was like, "What are you doing?" Uh, by hook or by hook, crook, though, it worked. It, it gets through to uh, to mm-hmm. through to dog leash to Myrna. 
And then when the crew comes back, or the, the the villa in France, the French boys and girls come back, Cora mm-hmm. says, I know a way to, to make you get through this. Come here. Yeah. And then when Daglish comes back on, she talks in an American accent. Mm-hmm. And she's like, my problems are solved. And I was like, huh? Yeah, yeah. There's some time off screen that Cora spent with her teaching her how to try to talk American. Um, it, it, it is funny, though, that, you know, her American accent is like so many other British actors where it's just this disaffected, mm-hmm. like no accent kind of type of thing where it's just like very flat. <laughs> uh, but spot on. Sure. I guess it worked. Yeah, she'll have a career now. Uh, this this dog leash. So so glad to glad to have met you. Uh, fun though. Aside though, to, to see Anna and Daisy get involved in that way, and it definitely kept the the mood light in the movie. I I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, and and we know that both of them are huge in the show and mm-hmm. had sort of similarly background roles in the first movie. So I don't think this was disrespectful to either of them. This was good placement on the on the roster. Yeah. And so Lady Mary with this uh, Hugh Dancy guy with, with uh, Jack Barber, mm-hmm. you know, they, they get along pretty well throughout the whole thing. He even goes so far as to say at one point, can I kiss you? <laughs> and she's like, nah, and I'm good. I'm a, I am I was very happy, though, for, for Mary in that moment. I was like, yeah, you know, like uh, that would be such a betrayal of her character for her to kiss him in that moment, even though the whole movie is kind of building towards it. And there's only so much they can do when her husband isn't on screen at all. But I was like, very thankful that they they stood by, stuck to their guns with like Mary's like, nah, I'm married, dude. <laughs> this is like not going to happen. Exactly, smart. I thought it was great too. I thought that was a. And she goes, she said, I'm flattered, you know, in another world, definitely. She says, I got two handsome men trying to to get with my affections, and I said, mm, do you have two? <laughs> yeah, right. Seems like one is in Istanbul. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is pretty much that, and you know, Mary's going to take on the, the more more duties uh, as we soon learn. But they're getting a new we, roof. We, the movie comes out yeah, perfectly. We, we zigzagged all over the place. Well, why don't we go back? I feel to, like we got three big pieces left. Yeah. I think. Well, we why should, don't we talk about? I think we should talk about Guy Dexter. Yeah. Dominic West. Uh, they're all surprised that he's British, actually, because he has that American accent. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he doesn't have you the think, American accent, but he's in Hollywood movies. Right, he's in Hollywood movies. You would think he would have been the one to talk to Myrna and teach her how to speak American and wouldn't have fallen the core. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's actually nice. He's a friendly guy. And everybody loves him. Yeah. A little overly friendly, some would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he, he's, he's charming everybody at the dinners and things like that and talking mm-hmm. about how... He left England to go to Hollywood and found himself and all that stuff. We see he's taking yeah. a liking to Mr. Tom Barrow. Yeah, he, he picks up real quickly like, hey, you, I like you. Mm-hmm. You want to hang out sometime, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Barrow's kind of like taken aback. He's like, what? Guy Dexter <laughs> likes me? That's pretty cool, dude. It's so funny how they handle uh, Barrow in this movie. It's like everyone just knows he's gay at this point. Because like early on, he he takes Phyllis aside. And it's like Phyllis, you, you know what's up with me, and she's like, "Yeah, I know what you like to do." And he's like, "Yeah." So that guy in that last movie, yeah, but he got the married. last time around. <laughs> yeah, tough breaks there. That was a really effective scene, though. I really like that scene. Mm. Although you know, having recently watched that movie, I I did not 
take him to be, you know, the guy who's gotten married, him to be the guy who would be that. He's 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 kind of shown to be a progressive type of guy. Yeah, but I think <laughs> so there's only so much one can take, especially as these guys get older. For sure. And you work yeah. with the royalty, the pressures to put on. And I think that mm-hmm. Barrow doesn't, he's not uh, unsympathetic of the situation. I think he just sort of knows that yeah. this is bound to happen for people and, Barrow of all people is is strong to his convictions and and Mm -hmm. Hughes is like well you're gonna live a real lonely life like that's really we don't like to say it but it's the truth yeah so this uh, guy Dexter who does great during the movie Mm -hmm. films all of his scenes uh, flawlessly he extends to to Barrow to become his you know dresser his man yeah follow him around come live with him in Hollywood and it's like you know it'd be a dream and he like grab he, he tugs on barrows you know blazer to the little pad he gives a yeah. nothing you know nothing over but he does no he he leans into it yeah and barrow is in and that is one of the biggest revelations i think of this movie honestly like i completely unexpected to me well, uh, i mean the scene where he goes up to guy dexter and he's like that's a pretty heavy statement you made, and I want to know how much of it you mean. Mm-hmm. And Guy Dexter's like, I mean it as much as you want me to mean it. That yeah, was an as, inc- as little incredible or as much. scene. Yeah. Because you see Barrow, Barrow's such an alpha when he is like cut down, not cut down, but like someone is eye to eye with him and it disarms him. That's one of those yeah. like, oh ish moments. And I feel like it was, I, I was like, grinning ear to ear during that scene that was fantastic yeah and credit to dominic west because i feel like he's increasingly has more baggage around him as an actor just Mm -hmm. knowing how he cheated on his wife with lily james like a a year or so ago and then he went back to his wife and stuff uh you forget about that because he's such a good actor Mm -hmm. in this movie and you you buy into him being interested in barrow you also don't see you don't see mcnulty when you see dominic west you don't see like no, he is a very transformative actor. Who's or else because he's maybe talking in his natural British yeah, tongue. <laughs> that's true. You don't think of the guy on the Eminem album when you see him in Down Abbey. Yeah, but the, the, the Barrow putting his two <clears throat> weeks in is so, so sweet, you know. And, and again, Mary's like, we know what you'd like to get up to, brother. <laughs> we we all know it's cool. And then she's like, what uh, kind of next? Ooh. Yeah. I love how Daisy throughout this whole movie too is like that guy Dexter. It's like Daisy again with her radar on the show. It's always broken. (laughs) It's always broken. Um, Yeah, and Mary gets it. She, she. It's funny. She says like, I know how you kind of been. You know, always kind of not always in on the house, which I wasn't too keen on her saying about that because the the one. So the the way I feel about this whole thing is like good on Barrow and, and, and stuff and mm-hmm. like him going off to have like his happy ending. But for me, so much of the show with Barrow, the arc of it is definitely, you know, his, you know, sexuality is like defined his character in so many ways, but so much of his arc was just being accepted mm-hmm. in doubt in itself. Uh, just going from being the outsider to being a core part of, of their operations and stuff. So I didn't like how Mary for a second there said like, you always resented the house or something like that. It's like, no, he's changed his ways. He's, they've made a, Great big point of that. Well, I mean, also, then, the, then the first movie starts with him saying, I don't want anything to do with this if you're going to disrespect well, me. Well, she, she did undermine him in that first movie, for sure. <laughs> but but, but they're, they're, I'm not crazy over him leaving Downton. I'm not saying that he should be serving the rest of his life at Downton and stuff, but so much of his story is just tied to, you know, becoming part of that, be, that becoming his family, more or less, mm-hmm. you know? And so to be leaving that, it's like, 
good for him, but it's kind of bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, that like, bittersweet. I think that the, I think that's one of the moments in this movie where they're like, we're even if you know, I have I have theories. He'll be back in movie three, but I mean, he, I, I yeah. Let's just say if we had any doubts, they're coming to America in movie three. You think? I think I I I'm ninety five percent sure. Okay, but. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, yeah, man, that was that was actually. I feel like for me, that was tougher to take, like the thought of Barrow leaving than some other characters mm-hmm. <laughs> leaving the the story because we it just kind of caught me off guard in a lot of ways. Yeah, ex- yes, yes, but I thought that was that was the the best uh, play that Julian had, the biggest shock. Mm. Well, he he does try to shock us with another storyline. Why don't we get to that one now? We already did in season six. It, a hundred percent. So, Cora is feigning illness throughout this movie. So early on, we see her in a scene with Isabel and Lord Merton, who we should know. Isabel and Lord Merton—they don't really have a plot in this movie. They're they're just supporting just players. <laughs> yeah, they're just there hanging around. Um, but she's readjusting her will. She's updating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know why. Just just doing that but we see we see she gets awfully tired there in france from time to time mm-hmm. that's why when uh, her and bags are doing the same tired gimmick i said okay what's going it, on yeah are, are one of these two kicking the bucket bucket like are we going to get a swerve that's one of these two but it's not really a swerve when they call the shot so early in the movie the the will right. scene is like this is a movie this is a uh-huh. scene that has relevance to the movie of course this is going to come into play yeah so She's falling ill, and Edith notices something. And later on, they're having um, a dance uh, celebration, I guess, of them inheriting the villa or something that's mm-hmm. going on there, just a, a party. We see some people of color, thank God for that, in the Downton movie. You know, they're performing it again, but it's similar to something of the time. But good thing it's not all white people like the, like the first movie for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that party, Edith sees Cora sitting there looking very dour, and so she tells her, go tell Robert something. Which leads to one of the scenes that is pitched the highest in the movie. Mm-hmm. It goes to 11 real quick where she tells Robert. We don't even see like, what she tells go, him. Yeah, we're like, let's go for a walk. Because I'm, just, I'm just talking to my brother here. Okay, all right. You know, it's not <laughs> the, all about the, you, Bob. Yeah. What? This French, guy, this French guy says to his mother, this is my brother <laughs> in French. Uh but effect, she tells I mean, him effect, we'll talk about that a little more later but yes yeah. they go for a walk and off screen she tells him what's going on we don't know what the sickness is exactly they keep dancing around yeah it. but she's you know she's down with it unfortunately and robert's just got tears flowing he's upset he's like i get she's, to act it, it felt like so out of tune with the rest of the movie with how much they got emotional real quick which understandably in that moment but it definitely seemed like they could have done another take on that I think, or something. It, it I thought it was. I thought it was very appropriate, and he explains really? why because okay. he says, "You know, well, yeah, I lost my daughter. My mom's dying. Mom. I can't lose yeah. you too. And I got a brother too. <laughs> you see this? And I'm afraid. <laughs> like, I kind of. And I yeah. had to bring Carson. Um, it was definitely appropriate. Just the way they acted, it felt very. I don't know. Out of sort with how I how we know them to be sometimes. Yeah, uh, but I was really. 
I was really worried about Korra, though. I was like, oh, no. Like, I could take losing a Dowager, but losing Korra, her interactions with Robert is so critical, I think, to mm-hmm. some of the fun of Dowager. And Dali. if we want to go to America, we got to keep her healthy. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I, Dude, so when she says to him, Clarkson, you know, he came back with his, his you know, results. and I, well, I'm, There's more tests to be done. But when she even said Dr. Clarkson's name, I fist pumped so hard in the theater. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> Are we going to get Clarkson? Are we going to get him? You talk about all these Marvel movies and their cameos and stuff like that. I was so jacked up just hearing Clarkson's name dropped in this movie, mm-hmm. man. I was so ready. I was so ready for more Clarkson. And we get him. We, Dude. You can throw as many Spider-Mans as you want into a movie. You couldn't touch this. This was I was so hyped to see Clarkson. Not no, looking, no not lie. looking great. Looking, looking his age. Looking appropriately old. I don't think they do him favors with the framing. They have him hunched over at his desk. Mm-hmm. When he's standing around and walking around at the end, he looks a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, he is also like 75 now or so. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, I, I'm not saying he should look great. He's an old man who, pro, who doesn't act much. Yeah. But Rob, David Robb. <laughs> still in. kicking, still going strong. Uh, but yeah, he, he he tells them like we're still doing tests, and it, it, just wait, Robert, just wait. And he arrives at the end of the movie again, and he he says, "Well, there's just pernicious ame- anemia. 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 It used to be a problem, but it, it's not pernicious. It's okay. No, but which is this is it's it's the exact disease." <laughs> That wasn't that <laughs> Lord Merton had. had. It's bit for bit the same tra- uh, dilemma they had with Lord Merton in the series finale. I was, say, I was saying it in he's... the car on the ride home that we said that uh, David Robb just is such a poor actor that he couldn't say another disease. They <laughs> so they just with, stuck with the pernicious, back, pernicious anemia. anemia. Well, well, to its credit, because I did some research, it was a very common thing back in the 20s. And I think it is slightly different from the TV show. So in the, the TV show, he when he talks to Lord Merton and Isabel, He's like, that pernicious anemia? Well, it's not pernicious. <laughs> it's, it's just, just anemia. anemia. Where here in the movie, I think he says it's now treatable, which I think was true closer to the end of the 1920s. It's not going to be fun, but you're going to get through it. Right. So that's the difference where like that was not pernicious for, for Merton. Here, it's treatable is the, is the key difference. Mm-hmm. So she'll be okay. But it was pretty close to like, wait, we're just door. running back a story. Just like yeah. Lord Merton was. Lord Merton was literally stuck in his bedroom while his kids took mm-hmm. over his life. Cora's like, in France, being all melancholy, thinking she's gonna die, this might be it for her. And then yeah. he's like, "You will." In, in the scene, Lord Merton says, "I'll live," and mm-hmm. and Doctor Clark is like, "Well, you're gonna go at some point, but probably not because of this in the near future." Whereas he straight yeah. up says to Cora, "You'll live." Yep. Uh. So much ado about nothing there. She'll she'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, that, that, that was that, that was definitely that was the, one, the second weakest plot in the, the movie. Yeah, I, I, I was glad though. At least it gave Cora something to do and Robert something to do. I'm okay with that. Well, Robert, I, it gave Robert two things something. to do, which was good because yeah. he's Lord of Grantham. This is his so, world. Yeah, we we have two more things to to tackle. It's the the Mosley of the of the movie or uh, the Dowager. Let's do the Mosley what, what, of the movie first because the Mosley of the movie. Okay. You know, this is this is Corey saying I I win. Dude, I I, I called it when we were reviewing uh, the season opener of season four. I was saying there's something here with this Mosley character. They're going to go somewhere with this, and you're just like, we know we've seen the show. It's not going to go anywhere. But I was like, just wait. And finally, over and over again, these movies we are getting so much Mosley. Why do you think that is, Dave? I don't know. <laughs> is it because? <laughs> is it because 
Here's what I think it is. I think mm-hmm. that Bates is supposed to be our proxy, but either Brendan Coyle's unreliability or his lack of charisma beyond being a stoic man made mm-hmm. Julian sort of lose interest to, with him. So okay. if you're looking at this as a sort of like toy box analogy, Mosley's the colorful toy that's like flip floppy and dumb and silly and more moldable to whatever you want. And then yeah. you, Julian started seeing this, you know, misfit toy as sort of the one that he wanted to play with. And mm-hmm. the court jester became super fleshed out just by in, in something along those lines to continue that um, analogy. Yeah, I mean, to build on that, too, I think with the TV show, you have more moments to breathe, which I think helps a character like Bates in, in the more quieter mo- quieter moments. When Again, one of my other favorite scenes where I had a bit of a rush was just seeing Anna and Bates have a moment to each other to talk about things mm-hmm. where, like, he's a little bit jealous that she gets to tend to, like, you know, the Dominic guy mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the house. And, like, it's those stolen moments that they had that really is the foundation of their relationship. And it was so nice to see that for just a split second again. Um, but I think the thing with Mosley is that he's so over-the-top and colorful that for a movie, his broad type of character just fits in more naturally for, for like playing to the rafters. Oh, yeah, I mean, they even know? have Kevin Doyle do the sort of pre-show. The intro. This is what happened, you know, the previously on Downton Abbey thing. Yeah, before the movie started, they, they just recapped the first movie. <laughs> yeah, that YouTube thing that was on. It was on YouTube. I don't know if we shared it, but... It was an advertisement on Twitter for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but... uh. I think that's why he works so much better. It's just like he can play so broad and bring so many people in. And so. And he hasn't. He's suffered, but his suffering paid off in a lot cleaner of a way than like Bates and Anna did. Yeah. For sure. You can't make so, Bates so, any more vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. He, he's still hanging around the house as we see uh, Mosley. He comes around. He interacts with Baxter. He, he sends her off to, to France. Uh,. But we see they're filming the the movie around the the place, and Mosley just <laughs> walks in the middle of a scene they're filming. And they don't immediately <laughs> say, "Don't come back to this house until this is over." No, and instead he comes back, and not only that, he gets a copy of the script somehow, and is able to write in scenes for how to fix the movie with the talkie mm-hmm. scenes, and and add a, a finish to the movie. He keeps and they doing keep more. Re- they keep referring to him like Mary's referring to him. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? The director is, keeps referring to him. Hugh Dancy right, keeps referring to him. They're just like, oh, hey, we need this. Give me the line. Because as a teacher, he somehow has mastered also feeding lines to people so they can recite them properly well, as he's, the scene he's plays He's probably out. a little bit more read, more well-read by mm-hmm. trade than, sure. than a guy who writes like 40 lines for a whole movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he comes up with a whole finish, which is, the movie also kind of asserts like a different camera angle and everything as Mosley gets in his moment telling the finish of the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> to Jack Barber. And Mary's just standing there like, huh, this guy. Uh, there's there a moment where like Jack's like, who is this guy? And he's like, oh, he was just, you know, a, a helper in the yeah, house. He's like, did he work in the house? It's like, yeah, no, he's this teacher. <laughs> he's just an oaf who comes around. Uh, but by the end of the movie, Jack Barber is like, can you just become a, a script writer for me? He calls him a, 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 a playwright for the screen, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, we'll give you like a thousand guineas or something like that. And Mosey's just like, what? what, what? Yeah, he's like, 700 <laughs> if it doesn't get made, a thousand if it does. Four a year. The, the level up of this man from paving roads to 
getting back in the house to becoming a teacher to a screenwriter. Just serving the king and queen. What a what a journey. And he, he talks about how, you know, it's where the, the story, the fairy tales are, the, the movies. He's so enamored with them. So to be writing for film, that's great. And then he gets his own happy ending too. Mm-hmm. So they, they're, they're short-staffed for a, a scene with stand-ins because they ran out of money. So they're going to get the staff to do it, which is a great moment of seeing everyone Dress downstairs up, yeah. get excited about appearing in the movie. It's so good. Um, everyone gets dressed to the nines. Carson just wears what he wears. They even comment on that. Um, but Baxter, whew. Big glow whew. up. Big glow up. Looks amazing. And, and then Mosley is just at a loss for words when he goes downstairs to see her because he just got the news he's going to be a screen, potentially a screenwriter. He he's does, going to share the news with her. It. and he's just Yeah. He does the thing. So for some reason, there's a microphone downstairs that leads to the upstairs. Yeah, I don't know. They what, don't explain why. why how magic, is that? That's why. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, movie magic. But they hear the entirety of Mosley proposing to Baxter. And everyone cheers and course, as soon as he does. They, she says, are you going to get down to one knee? And he explains why he hasn't proposed to her, which is so important. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I, I, I was always afraid that I wouldn't be able to support you. Yeah, and now yeah. I know that I can because I'm Hollywood, baby. This is the movie singing. This is the peak of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like if you were not all in on this moment, you're oh, not a fan of time. This is great when the, when the people start clapping. <laughs> yeah, I did feel I felt a little embarrassed for Mosley because like it was very awkward and tough for him, you know. And to have everyone listening in on that, I was like, Man. but they both when they hear the clapping, they're both sort of so disarmed. They're like, oh yay, this is oh, they're vindicated. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a really sweet moment. Really Great sweet. moment, best and moment of the movie. 100. That's mo- mostly so, batting two for two right now, as far as. Oh, dude, this dude is putting up, putting numbers on the board. It's incredible. Like, who would have thought? We we shook the right guy's hand. I I thought I I said we shook the right <laughs> this guy guy's had hand. potential. We we did shake his hands. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad, as you said, Dave. I'm so glad we did when we did it because he's so over right now. There's no chance we're getting close oh, to Mosley again. Zack Snyder's hitting him up for the DC EU. He's gonna get some part. You think? You think? Uh, what, what, what's the actor's name who plays Kevin Mosley? Do- Kevin Doyle. You, Kevin Doyle. You think he's actually? Is he even like certified on Instagram? When we started following him, he didn't even have the blue check mark. He said, "I'm, just, I'm Kevin Doyle." <laughs> Could have been a fan of that account too. Yeah. Uh, no, Kevin Doyle's still not official on Instagram. If you All go right, look him get, up, there's twenty-one that check. There's twenty-one thousand people following him, but he. Uh, he does not have a blue check mark. And he was just on the High Line last week. He was just in New York. Missed him. Damn. You uh, should DM though. him from the podcast account and see if he responds. 21K? <laughs> he He's probably not getting that many fan DMs on a day-to-day basis. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, so from the highs of that to the, the, the sadness of the movie, the bittersweet. Julian did what we thought he wasn't going to do. He said, I'm not backing that money truck up again. I mean, I don't know why we really talked ourselves into doubting him. He really did tee it up. And Maggie Smith has been really saying for years she wanted to be done with Downton. If she goes, it's not even uh, a good show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, she didn't say that. That'd be hilarious uh, if she did. <laughs> that'd be so funny. She, yeah, she, she besmirched it. But no, she she's clearly ready for retirement, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point in her life, Maggie Smith. Um, so she's back at the big house, and she brings along with her... Danker, Danker. Who, who has not aged well. Maggie Smith is 87. She'll be 88 this year. All right. We should be so grateful that she even was able to come back for this. Cash, I mean, cash Dan- that check. 
Danker is 78. Get, you, she can go. <laughs> okay, no, no Danker. Did you, um, did you have a moment when they're talking about writing this scene mm-hmm. where I said, oh man, this would have been a great Sprad entry point? Dude, where that is, I mean, I, we know he's filming probably Ted Lasso or something because that's what the actor's doing. But even then, to jump ahead, where is he during the funeral? There's no Sprat during the funeral. There's yeah, no there's reality no, I, in which I he doesn't turn up there. I thought we'd definitely get a Sprat. I thought we, Sprat and Matthew Good would show up in the funeral. Nope. You think he's, yeah, Matthew Good doesn't even show up for that. What a poor piece of trash. Uh, he just loves, he loves cars more than family. <laughs> yeah, Sprat, Good, Sprat this, is too busy with that Ted Lasso money. <laughs> Yeah, he's too, no, he's too busy writing gossip Collins. That's true uh, for for Edith. For Edith, who by the way is writing again, that's her story. <laughs> which we, we do see Cora so happy to see that she's writing again, which again is foreshadowing. Like I'm all sick. All you have to do is have Edith say, "I'm I'm still shocked at how much money Mister Spratt is making me on a weekly basis." And that you know, like you pop for the Doctor Clarkson thing. Yeah, I'm huge. It would have been a huge pop for saying like Spratt is my biggest money maker. It's all you have to say. Yeah. And then we know why he's not there anymore. That's all you got to say. That's all you got to say. But anyway, so the entire movie is just the Dowager quipping uh, and, and foretelling like, you know, I'm on my way out. Just and like I don't want to tell you about this history going on between me and this guy. It's not any of your business. I'm sure that Johnny Cash record would hurt where the whole album, he's like, I'm dying. This is all your, this is it. Yeah. Uh, but they want to get to the bottom of this whole thing of why why is she getting this villa? Mm-hmm. Why, why is it so important? So they go through all her letters that she received she from this guy. She gives all her letters to Isabel to sort through because she knows Isabel is going to do a good job. Yeah. Which I didn't think meant share it with everyone to read through and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I feel like after the time comes, that's what that's for. Sure. But she was still there. She was still kicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... They come to find that it was just a one-way street where this guy was just really interested in her, and she was not returning the favor. She she was not not going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And, and they bring up eventually like Kurtigan, you know, she met, and she's yeah. like, I couldn't be going all around with all these guys. Yeah, she's like, I made mistakes with, with Prince Kurtigan, and mm-hmm. I didn't make mistakes with Mont Montclair or whatever his name is, Montmorall. But that's that's life. right. That's it. You know, I, those are my mistakes to make. Because I think in the timeline of the show, Kurtigan, uh, who we see from uh, season after. five. She almost leaves Rosamond and Robert and her father, their father, to, to go be with Prince Kurtigan. Right. When she was the guest at a ball in 1874. So he came after the fact. Mm-hmm. Whereas. Um, this guy was before the Mom fact. Mom Miral is a weak, but she's still married to Lord Grantham. No, I thought they say in the movie she marries him five years later. No, Mom well, all married five years later. My, yeah, that's right. Robert she, is born nine months later. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much her whole storyline is that, you know, this guy has been e- writing her, <laughs> not emailing, he was writing her the whole time, he's and texting. she's just like, not even bothering to read. She's leaving him. Yeah, she's leaving him even on not, red. Yeah, not no, even on red. She, we don't see that she's not she's responding. Unread. She's just keeping it a platonic rather than romantic. Yeah. Yeah, because I think she does maybe write him back once in a while, maybe. Yeah, they don't they don't establish what if there's a back and forth or he's just writing her. So I I assume they had a time. friendly, yeah. cordial relationship that was not romantic, and they stayed in touch. Yeah, we do get some good moments of her watching them film the movie. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, scurrying around. She's still pretty mobile for an eighty-seven year old. 
I she can go for years and years, Maggie Smith. Are you kidding, kidding me? They they deliberately made her look more old in this movie than she probably is in real life. Mm. Eighty seven. She's okay. she's going to be around for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, we see again moments of her with uh, Mary reestablishing like you're taking over the house when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is for for you to inherit and stuff. Uh and then Robert comes back steaming because he's like, "Is this man my brother?" <laughs> Yeah, we you really? We got something to talk father. about. Yeah, he he's upset, and she's like, "No, of course that guy's not your brother. Come on, man." She's like, "I didn't like him like that. He was okay." Robert is so flustered over so many things in this movie that do not come to pass. This guy's not his brother. He doesn't want the house. His to wife go is not passing. Yeah, the house is going to get the leaking fixed. You know, everything's okay for him. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be fine. Well, eh, kind of. Yeah. But she passes away, and we get a we get a very good, almost too good death scene. Where yeah, so, so Clarkson is there to deliver the news that the anemia is uh, per, pernicious, and mm-hmm. then is it Danker's like she, she's going, yeah, and everyone runs and up the, and they all get their lines where the dowager's like Isabel, you've been a great sparring partner, Bagshaw, you're still here, you're cool. Granddaughters, you're cool. You're great. Cora. I like how you even get an earlier scene because it can't fit in in this scene. But we an earlier scene where she's like, you know, Branson, I always liked you. Yeah, I thought that was you a know? really good scene because I think Branson goes up to clear the air and thank her for the villa. It's, I think yeah. that's a big like, like full circle moment from her hating him. Mm-hmm. she's like, we become yeah. good friends. I think, and he good, good, especially with Lucy there. It means a lot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he do, he doesn't have to get time then in mm-hmm. the room when she's passing. Uh, but yeah, she gets to say goodbye to everyone, and then Danker's crying, and she gets the best last line where she says, "Please be quiet. I can't hear myself dying." Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> Game over. She's dead. And then she gets a, Not, she gets a nice funeral. Yeah, very very quiet, and then yeah, she she's planned it out to a T. Robert even says he doesn't have to worry about his funeral because she planned it, so it'll be just as good, and. A glass case around her casket and everything's mm-hmm. beautiful. Everyone's looking dapper. Yeah, and everyone's there except uh, Talbot and uh, Septimus. <laughs> uh, and yeah, they 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 walk the casket out. She gets buried, and you know we see though that they disappear and Downton continues on. And yep, Carson's back. Huge portrait of her there. Yep. Nine months. Uh, nine months later. Now this is this is the ultimate hammer. Nine months yep. later, Lucy's pregnant. Still, no Henry Talbot. Yeah, what's going on? They there? couldn't use archival footage. They couldn't have. Yeah, some some like, way to insert him. We've Just seen get, the rest of development. We've seen the Avengers. You could have green screen for one scene. Something. Yeah, him phoning from somewhere. Um, but uh, Carson shakes. We, we also we also skipped over. The, we we skipped over the whole thing about the um, the the image that they find of her in the villa. Yeah, which again we saw in the trailer. Things. It's not a good it's not a good sketch of her. I mean, it's the, <laughs> but, it's the 1800s. It's that's fine. I know. But Carson's like, oh man, it looks like the day from when I was getting wet. I was wet behind my ears as a as a worker. Uh, and so much about like you know the name like the initials on the side and stuff. But yeah, I did like the reveal though. At the end, there was a letter behind it. You know saying like let's let let it be or whatever mm-hmm. you know that, that to, to put a bow on it but uh 
yeah, she's gone. And as you're saying, Dave Carson, he's getting called back to Carson duty. Carson allegedly is coming back, and Andy will be his steady hand, as Mary says, because we know <laughs> so that Carson as he trains up Andy. No reference to the policy at all. It must have just went away. And Bates, Bates is and, definitely making strides in this movie, picking things up, putting them down. No, but the, is, so the, the reference to the shakes is when they say Andy will be your steady hand. Right. Okay. But but she says like Andy's going to be the one that he trains up to like be the replacement. But Andy's got to be the farm. His farm boy. Right. He's he's going to be at the he's, farm. But how's Bates, Bates not, not her choice though? Material. Bates can't serve. Bates can't stand that but, straight. You think of the trajectory though of like you know how Barrow has served in the role of Bates at, at times and everything's like that. Like you'd think he would. I don't think Bates has those aspirations though. I think Andy is more of a future plan guy. I also feel like I know he's got a job as a screenwriter and a teacher. I feel like Mosley would be a good pull. Uh, he's getting paid. He's above their budget at this point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Or the young whatever. Oh, the guy who gets like a kiss from the actress? Yeah, who's who in wants the first to... one? Who's in the, the crew, the, the sabotage crew? Don't even know who that guy is. Yeah. Don't, don't. He's a nice little <laughs> plain background. Young Albert. Sure. Young Albert, sure. But that's the that's the uh, movie. I mean, we might have missed some stuff, but we saw it in the theater. We didn't take notes. It'll be on Peacock in a couple months, so we could tackle it right, in a so different capacity. In, in, a, in the Carson is coming back to serve, man. Yeah. <laughs> that is serve wild. and protect. Yeah. And what is the final scene of the movie? I'm trying to remember. What is the final things that we see? Isn't it just, it's the family, right? It's the house, right? Isn't it? Like a zoom yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. We do get a moment of like Isabel sitting by herself on the bench. You yeah, know, pretty sort of, sad. There's for a her. lot of the the funeral scene is very sweet and well done, and you know yeah. Julian calls the shot, but he also leaves the door open the whole movie, especially once you introduce Cora being sick. That you could say he might be swerving us. Yeah, I mean, so Dave, you were already saying you think the movie goes to America in the next. I one. think we go to America. What goes on there? We see uh, Lady Rose and sure. Barrow again and stuff. I think we see Giamatti. We see okay. Lady Rose. We see Shirley mm-hmm. MacLaine. Maybe, you know, we're in the 30s. Maybe there's some reason that they're in the States, some investment opportunity. Maybe a car show. Who knows? Investment opportunity. They're, they're about to hit the the, the crash, man. The, the, everything's supposed maybe to fall Maybe that's what it apart. is. Maybe that's something to do with the Depression. Oh, maybe. Perhaps. I, I don't know. In so many ways, this felt like more of a proper tying of a bow on everything than than like the last movie mm-hmm. the only thing left kind of untidy is just mary's relationship with talbot honestly like everyone i feel like is sent off on their on their happy ways patmore uh mosley uh we see everything's in, in order with branson and so i mean we're looking at a movie aside from even if they, they went to america branson's no longer around barrow's gone the dowager is gone uh Carson's back like it's so strange to think of what that movie looks like exactly or how they're interacting mm-hmm. with each other yeah especially yeah. when when you don't have the dowager there and then you don't have Branson there all the time and Barrow like and and uh what's her name Edith yeah I mean yeah they, they just keep showing up anyways yeah, it but seems uh, like Barrow Branson will keep showing up like, like Branson's yeah. not yeah it's just a short Branson, right away because somebody I feel like Branson and Lucy are in the dowager house right is that what they, they they're like someone's yeah. in that house well, no, they're gonna be living in the villa, right? No, they're they, not, they're, they just, the villa's gonna be a vacation. Oh, in the home. summertime, yeah. But though, when when Bagshaw yeah. dies, they'll get Bagshaw's house. Oh, right. You said nine months later, they do have the child, though. They do, they do have yeah. another baby. Baby uh, Branson, number two. 
I yeah, I, I honestly I don't know where they go from here. Like I, I just I feel like they're running out of road in terms of what stories they have left to tell. I mean, Julian can sort of surprise us, but what what is left to do really? Hey, I don't know. It, aside from like aging up the kids and stuff, uh, I, I don't know. But bring to, uh, bring Josh Tufton in. Bring yeah. Bring our but Dave. You said this was levels better than the first movie. So was it really just them moving the ball forward with the plot that really elevated it for I you? I think that the. I think the because I said it last time we talked about the movie. I don't. It didn't leave a, a sweet feeling in my mouth knowing that the characters all did something mildly despicable to the royal staff. Don't think that mm-hmm. was a nice way to make them all look. Okay. So I think this everyone sort of morally winds up in the green, and yeah. the pacing of the assassination, and then the royal visit, and then the weird like after party after. I don't like the pacing all that much of that first movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, I think, the villa stuff didn't take up the whole movie, but it took up enough of it to make it intriguing. But it ended, yeah. and then, you know, we've wrapped the movie, and then the dowager goes and the funeral, and it's over. It didn't feel so like bing, bang, boom, bing, bang, boom, like the first one did. Sure. Yeah. It, it felt like just... There was a bit of... Uh, I, I feel like you start to feel the strains of these being movies Mm -hmm. like cliff notes of like things that have happened in in between um i feel like there was like an early reference to something where it's like we could have spent more time on that Mm -hmm. like um well edith you know like getting pregnant having a child and stuff and then like i guess that you know that happened or like how long it's been in between moments it starts to feel like we're seeing the cliff notes of how much you know we have to kind of have to a certain extent oh yeah yeah but it's like I could see the the next story with this going two directions. Where this movie, it's making money, not quite as much as the first movie, and understandably because we're in the pandemic and they they skew somewhat older sometimes with the the audience for this. But we're entering a, a point where like there may be more value for them to just bring it back as a mini series. Yeah, that's what I that's what I was also thinking is on the table. Do we get a trilogy yeah. of movies and then a mini series? Do we jump right to a mini series? Could go either which way. Uh, I don't know. But it's uh, it's funny reading reviews from like casual fans of Downton, and so many people are saying for this movie, it's just more of what you expect. And it's like, I don't think that's entirely fair. I mm-hmm. think this is moving it in interesting directions that you want to expect. It's definitely the familiar, but it it's moving the story along in satisfying ways. And even though you say like things have a neat and nice bow, like finally Mosley and Baxter, yeah. the show kind of hinged upon the Jim and Pam moments, like. Mm. Are we going to get there with these people? And no, no, Mosley's a doof. It'll never happen. But it'll we always think about it. No, but like, it's happened. Yeah. So. I mean, I guess Danker's out of a job now. We can focus on that for the next story. Yeah. And Ted Lasso <laughs> season three is going to be done. That show's going to be over. So maybe Septimus will come I, back. Yeah, right. That, that's, how, that's exactly how it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, well, we did do power rankings for this movie. We did. We've been going on for a long time. But this is a, I got top and bottom five. I don't know about you. Yeah, I did three again, but you you start with your your bottom yeah your your bottom two okay uh, five and four number five I got that Miss Miss Dagleash because I feel like Cora thinks that she kind of gave her the tricks to be a star, but just because she can do an American accent doesn't mean she can do another accent. So I think her range is going to be done, and I think I think every diva doesn't get over it. By one pep talk from a maid. Mm-hmm. And my number four is Henry Talbot. Okay. Because 
Come on, man. Yeah, show, show up. up. <laughs> show. You got kids. Yeah. Well, well I just amended my, my listing and, and, and added my five and four. So at five, I got Daglish also mm-hmm. for the same reason as you said. It's a good call on Talbot, but since he's not in the movie, I'm not going to flag him. I have Cora at number four. Okay. She just spends most of the movie just looking and feeling Ill, Ill and she is, but it's not life-threatening as we come to learn. Okay. Uh, but Dave, who's number three going down for you? I got Madame de Montmiral. Okay. It's the whole movie. She's like, hey, kid, I want my house. Let me keep my house. And they're like, yeah. no. No. Yep. And she's given way too much green time to just be sure. dusted away. She doesn't get the house. Game over. Yeah. Well, at number three, I got Hugh Dancy's Jack Barber. This whole production is a disaster, top to bottom, mm-hmm. where they have to s- switch from being a, a silent movie to a speaking one. They run out of budget by the end of it. His main actress has a terrible accent, so he has to get someone else to fill in. He tries his hand at winning over Mary. She bluntly turns him down. And all he gets out of it is maybe a new screenwriter and, and Mosley. And who's, wouldn't That's, it be hysterical if you find out like Mosley's a total wolf? Like he just totally punts it after this movie. Oh, yeah. This is all he had in him. Yeah. So not, not great for Jack Barber. Yeah, not at all. Number two for you, Dave? My number two is the Dowager. She, Same. I got the Dowager at number this two is also. A, this is a, she, she's not the ultimate worst because we, we know she was, we'd known she'd been dying since the first movie. Yeah, uh, and she has an incredible death scene, but she goes. You know, that's just the Lord to grant. Right. The we rule. we knew it was coming. Yeah. So, yeah, number two for me as well. Who's number one going down for you? My number one is Cora because what an act of disrespect. <laughs> okay. You not only is she given a plot where she's sick, and this mysterious mm-hmm. illness, Julian doesn't have the the stones to kill her. Yeah. And then not only does he not have the stones to kill her. He doesn't have the stones to give her a disease that has not been mentioned in the show. That's true. That's true. I mean, that's yeah. I thought the same. It's uh, and, and she's she is such a good character, and you said it. Like her banter with Robert is so important to the show in mm-hmm. the first movie and this movie that you're gonna spend the whole movie with her walking on eggshells about her health, and then she's not even dying. Like, come on now, yeah. get out of here. Don't play that with me. Yeah. Well. The thing is, she doesn't suffer an actual loss. It's the French lady, uh, Montmorel, who who loses. So number one going down. She loses the villa. And and her son continues to believe this guy is her brother. Um, Also, what is Julian's axe to grind with the British? We see this recently in the Gilded Age with uh, him. Like, French accents are funny. This guy put one on the whole time. And then, yeah, the French. And we see it in the Downton Abbey movie where he has, like, the. I think it's pretty clear that Julian likes to make fun of them. Yeah, but you you don't? I mean, I'm not going to put it into a whole... I, I don't... I mean, the French were there first in the American Revolution. They helped us out there. I, I have nothing with the French, man. Okay. I love Paris. You like their fries? One of my favorite places I've been. But, like, Julian, man, lay off the French. <laughs> like, he even makes fun of them in the first movie with the French cook and stuff. Like, just go mm-hmm. easy on them a little bit, give man. Him, give him a break. The British aren't that much better, okay? Come on. Well. Let's go on the up rankings. Who do you got at number yeah. five? Uh, Pat Moore. Okay. She's in a relationship now. Good for her. Yeah, she changed her Facebook status. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not not single anymore. She's in a relationship. Who's number five for you, Dave? I, I got a three-way tie for number six. Okay. And this is just out of respect to Aunt Rosamond, who you didn't even mention, Dr. Mm. Clarkson, 
and Mr. Yeah. Mason. You, the, the Lords of Grantham, we represent our side characters. They got Murray. an honorable got mention. Add Murray, and Murray in there. obviously. But Murray was so in the good trailer, so we saw him coming anyway. Sure, um, sure. So my, yeah, my number I'm so four. glad that the amount of Rosmond that we yeah, got in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, number five is Lady Mary, because I called that she was going to have a big movie, and mm-hmm. she did have a big movie. It wasn't as big as we wanted it to be, perhaps, but it was still a big movie. Um, yeah. But I think the fact that her whole plot is, you know, where's my husband? I'm an independent woman. Where's my husband? I'm an independent woman. Where's yeah. my husband? She did a lot of good stuff, but I can't yeah. rank her above number five because of right. That. I have Mary at number four for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. I thought this is a very strong movie for her in terms of proving out herself as like this strong, independent person who will watch over Don and take care of it even after the Dowager's long gone. And she's just hamstrung by this whole Henry Talbot business. It's it's not understandably. Great. He's her husband. So yeah. she's your well. Who's your? Who'd you say was your number five? My number five uh, it was Pat Moore. Oh, yes, and Pat then, Moore and then Mary. Yeah, who's your number four? Another another tie of uh, Branson, Lucy, Sibby, and their future child because I think they don't do much, but they get a lot. They leave the movie yeah. with a lot more than they started it with. Yeah, they just didn't do do much to get there. <laughs> in my not book, in so the, like, not in the course of the movie, but over the course yeah. of their lives. And I do think Lucy sure. is a nice new character. Yeah, and she also nice just feels like man, like Branson. Whew. Say the, the man, the man is is knocking it out of the park with women. Even the the duds, even Braithwaite it, and um, Bunting are like lookers. He's got a good track his, record. Yeah, and his skin was so clear in this movie. I was like looking. I was it's like, man, I don't think yeah, it's not transparent. But like, he's clearly been like you know putting on some some cleanser on his face. So good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, I got Daisy. Okay, she puts in the work to hook up. Uh, her father-in-law, essentially, uh, he is her father-in-law, with with, uh, with Pat Moore, her mother-in-law, mm-hmm. more or less. Uh, and so, good for her. And then she also uh, makes a good case with Dogleash to get back on set. So she actually good moment does a lot of work here. Yeah, my number three is, Ro- your- is Lord Grantham, Robert. Okay, this is a this is a you know we say we we always want Robert to be part of the plot. He's so such yeah. a big part of the plot. And the movie is is sending him down two very dark rabbit holes that he does not want to be down. He yeah. might be French, and his wife might be dying. It's tough. And then he he gets out of both. He leaves both. His wife <laughs> yeah. isn't gonna die. He's not French. He gets to be there for his mother passing. He's trimmed down. Whatever after vomiting the blood, he's taken the steps to lose weight. He's trim. He's tan. Yeah. His voice sounds different in this movie a little bit. A little bit. But he's, yeah. you know, this is this is not Robert's movie, but this is a good Robert long episode. Sure. Nice tan on him as well. Great tan. Real, Great tan. Real strong Looks tan. like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> number two for me is Barrow. Oh, hands down. I think two and one are easy. Oh, yeah. Well, number one, it's Mosley. Oh, absolutely. It's Barrow and Mosley. Done. Yeah. Like, the, they, they walk off with the happy endings, you know? Mm-hmm. And Barrow's be a, like we, we've already thoroughly there's not not too much for us to discuss because we've already talked about how important these characters are, but yeah, this is a it's a banger of a movie for these two. And Barrow doesn't get all that much screen time, but he still manages no. to be strong and progressive and satisfied at the end. Yeah, I, I man, it, the, the other thing too about this being like potentially the end for Barrow is just we haven't seen enough of him as the head yeah, butler. I, I like seeing guy. him in that role. And, and yeah, leader in Barrow, that's true. Just the underbutter. 
Man, Mosley, going into this movie, did we think that Mosley was going to get another moment? We we did think that. We thought we he was going to get, get another, another moment. Co- comedic moment, which he yeah, did. But we didn't think it would be like this, where it's like, man, wasn't that the best? Isn't that the sweetest? <laughs> That's Oh, yeah. That's great. That guy. So good. Well, that is Downton Abbey, a new era. That's it. We're here. That's it. We, That's we did it. As for our coverage... We'll figure that out. Yeah, <laughs> What's you know, next? Last, last movie we we spent the week after going over the sort of press junket interviews and some sort of thoughts that came to us there. after. So maybe we'll do that next week. But I have a feeling I think we're due for some time in the French Riviera. Maybe a week off coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not catch a month, but maybe a week. <laughs> yeah, we've been going for ninety minutes here. So I, I think listeners, thank you for hanging on this whole time oh, and, yeah. and listening. I hope to you us enjoyed the movie too. Here's the thing. Next week, we'll try to do yeah. some press trucking interviews. And why don't you, uh, the fans of the Lords of Grantham, the listeners, send us your thoughts on the movie and send us your power rankings, and we'll discuss that, those kind of things. Yeah, we'll any, any theories you have about where the story is going, any questions you have for what we think of it or, you know, we should discuss out, you know, just let us know. Perfect. Eager to keep talking about this movie, even, even more so. There was mm-hmm. just so oh, much yeah. in so it. So much meat on the bone. Absolutely. But until then, you know where to find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Hit us up at lordsgrantham at gmail.com. You leave us five-star rating and review on iTunes and Spotify if you so choose. You can find our archive of uh, episodes on your podcast uh, Podbean website. platform of, of choice oh, yeah. or That's on our Podbean website. So, you know, this is an ongoing conversation, and thank you for being part of it. Mm-hmm. Catch you next time on the pod. Mm-hmm.